Hi everyone and welcome to the Wellness That Works podcast. Well, what a week we have had, Lily. I know, so exciting, Sam, because we had none other than WW ambassador and pop sensation Robbie Williams in the building. Um, We got him in for this podcast to talk about all things mental health and we thought, why not add Candice Braithwaite, our other amazing, inspiring WW ambassador into the mix to talk about her own journey as well. So um, it's it's an amazing listen. I can't wait for you all to hear it. There are going to be some sensitive subjects, so make sure to check out for any trigger warnings in the show description. Uh, grab a cuppa and uh, have a listen. Can't wait. You're looking very spiffy. Thanks, darling. Yeah, I'm loving that. Well, thanks to the WW program, um, I've got myself in a better, better bit of shape than I was in in January, and um, it's made me be able to indulge in a bit of eccentric uh, dress wear. So here I am. It's winter. We're in winter. <laughs> But I've got these shorts on and these slippers, and also I can do this. I can, uh, I can do this, which I couldn't in January. So, oh, that is so. Imp- do you I'm, know what? I'm digging your sneaks. I'm, I'm liking the whole outfit. Thank you. But you, I know this topic is about mental health. Very refreshing to hear someone say, "I look good in my clothes, and I want to feel good in my clothes." That's really important to me. I, I'm, I like that. I dig that. Thank you. So. How are you feeling today, aside from looking spiffy? Well, this is about mental health, isn't it? Mm. Okay. So, if I was rating myself out of 10, I like playing Rate My Day. All right. Um, 10, it's an extreme thing that I do, but 10 being, you know, stop the world I want to get off. No, 10 being orgasmic and one being stop the world I want to get off. Yeah. I think I'm a 9. Yeah, 8.5, 9. Where are you on that scale? Five. Wow, talk me through that. Two kids, in it. The youngest is 18 months. I'm working a lot. I'm just trying to like make hay oh, whilst the sunshine. You're gonna be five for a while then. You know, <laughs> exactly. And I've got a six-year-old, so I know what I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm in for. He's a lovely chap. He sleeps 12 hours a night, but it's just that daily grind. I love them. Right. Well, you don't look as though you're in the daily grind. Thank you very much. Yeah, if the look, cameraman wants to zoom in. You look time. vital <laughs> and you're beaming. Mm. Yeah, you look as though you, you're getting enough sleep. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing yeah. all right. Okay, we're going to go back to mental health. Yeah. And um, I've had my struggles, so I think this is going to be a really good open conversation. Just for background, uh, I had terrible postnatal depression with my son. My mum's been sectioned a few times, so really deep. But what I don't think we get to do a lot is speak to men about mental health. Now, there's been a lot about it in the news. Do you think it's important that men get this space to talk about it? Well, did you did you have trouble before postnatal depression, or was postnatal depression your first experience of mental health issue? Defo trouble before, but I just didn't want to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we've come on leaps and bounds mm. with how the public perceives what's going on with mental health. It's a much healthier place to be. The, uh, I remember being so isolated, so cut off, and my head being so much of a prison. Mm. And then I'd turn on the TV and I'd be talking about my particular issue. Yeah. And there'd be people on television telling me to pull my socks up and telling me 
what have I got to worry about because I'm famous and I've got money, mm. you know? And it just moved me even further and further into myself mm. where, you know, I, I've always been vocal about what's going on in my head mm. uh, because it's part of my makeup. But now that, you know, it used to be like, you know, loose women, you know, loose women back in the day, people like myself or people saying I'm struggling. What have you got to struggle about? Pull your socks up. Yeah. Now on Loose Women, or the equivalent of, mm. people are very open and talking about what's going on for them and their minds, you know, and their mental health. Um, and it's basically the start of the process about talking about this stuff. Yeah. But I'm very proud and happy to be in a society that is now getting to grips with what this is. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, for guys, people always talk about guys not being able to talk about this kind of stuff. I'm me, mm. and I haven't found it difficult to talk about this sort of stuff, but I understand that guys do. Um, you know, uh, which leads to even more problems. You know, it's like, I wanna write a song about this subject, it's like guys are more sensitive than girls. Mm. You know, there's a sort of suicide rates for guys are way higher than oh, girls. Oh, way higher, yeah. You know, it's like, it, cause I do notice like living with my wife where something upsets her or, or she can't tolerate something. Mm. She says it straight away. Where I'm, <laughs> where on the other hand, I'm like, just swallow that, just swallow that, yeah. just swallow that, you know. Yeah. Do we have to pick everything to be something that we get emotional about, you know? But this is the reason why she won't have the heart attack and I will. Because, <laughs> no, no, I've just been, I'm being yeah. honest, you know. It's like because she's getting rid of that thing as soon as it comes into her mind and into her heart. Where I think guys are kind of taught to pull your socks up. Yeah. Swallow it. Yeah. Deal. Mm. You know. Um, so yeah, I do understand how it's tougher for guys, but personally, me, I think I'm ahead of the curve where it comes to going, I've got to get this thing off my chest or I die. Mm. Mm. So I think it's a life or death situation. And unfortunately, it kind of has to be that before you um, do anything about things sometimes. Yeah. In your own words, tell me a bit more about your experience with mental health and then go on if you want to tell me how you've managed it or the way you, I don't even like the term managed because I feel like mental health can't be managed sometimes, but ways you help cope with the days that are more of a three than a nine. Well, the stuff that you're unaware about because you're unaware of it, and for me, where my mental health led me to was drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I was filling in my own blanks. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel enough. I don't feel thin enough, good looking enough, charismatic enough, funny enough. I'm a bit eccentric and I don't fit in with these boys. They're all ladsy and I want to be ladsy too, so I'll get a new walk and go do with birds and tits and stuff. Oh, but I'm not that, but I want to fit in. Mm. So you, you know, then I, I found alcohol filled in all of those blanks. I found that cocaine did the same thing. I found that ecstasy did the same sort of thing too. 
but then they became a crutch and I became dependent on them and they overtook my life which invariably they will with people yeah. um, I didn't know that was happening at the time because you don't mm -hmm. you know that after the event yeah. uh, by that time you've got yourself into such a mess mm. that it takes an awful long time to pull yourself out of that mess you know like however long you were in that mess double that and then put five years on it that's how long it's going to take I don't mean to not attempt to be well and um, start that journey because it's imperative that you must. Um, why I'm saying all of this is because I found myself in a place that I didn't know I got to and I didn't know why I was there. And when I got there, all of my internal mechanisms were broken, which led to isolation, mm. which led to agoraphobia which led to um, social anxiety, uh, which leads to staying in your bed mm -hmm. and not attempting to partake in life. Mm. Because you don't know how you're going to do it. You yeah. don't, it feels impossible. And then you see this thing about, oh, I should do exercise. So you get on the treadmill and you're sort of like, I'm too knackered to do this. Yeah. So it's increments, it's small increments. And it is, first of all, if you're in an addiction, if you're smoking weed, if you're doing drugs and you're drinking, mm -hmm. you're just gonna, what's the, uh, you're just gonna, uh, it's gonna exacerbate. exacerbate your problem. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that, you'll never get well. You know, you will never ever get well. The anxiety will be worse mm. and your problem will become worse. Yeah. Um, you have to get a level playing surface with yourself just to see who you are and where you are. Mm. And then you take it in small steps. I always say that it's, you go get booked off the horse so many times, daily, secondly, minutely. <laughs> But you just got to keep getting back on the horse and then your percentage of who you are, where you are, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about life mm. will get better and better and better. But it's a hard, hard journey. Yeah. You know, now I'm now I get to the point where, you know, it's like I got like social anxiety so extreme that I didn't leave the house for three years. And then when I come to trying to leave the house, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't mm. know how to be amongst people mm -hmm. i didn't know how to have a conversation i was i just really really struggled but it's like going to the gym yeah you're not going to be able bench press 200 whatever's uh with your first go mm -hmm. but you build up to it yeah and it feels uncomfortable and uncomfortable and uncomfortable mm -hmm. i'm not totally comfortable in social situations but i'm nowhere near where i was mm -hmm. All of this stuff is like going to the gym. Mm. You know, everything that you fear, you've got to go do. Yeah. Except jumping out of a plane. I don't, I don't have to do that. <laughs> but everything that you're fearing the most that's getting in the way of your life, you have to go and tackle it. And it's yeah. going to feel uncomfortable, but you have to get through that. Mm. Then it gets better. But it's, it's, it's that, then it's that, then it's that, then it's that. And then you don't notice it's this. Yeah. But it takes, it 
takes forever. It takes a long time. So do you still have moments or? Yeah, um, in, my dad died. My dad died t 10 years ago this year, but it's still very raw because he died very suddenly. Um, we, we never got that whole goodbye thing. He literally just got the flu and dropped dead. And How I was old was he? 46. He was on his way to an Arsenal match and literally just pulled in his car at the hospital and was like, I don't feel well. Then half an hour later, he was dead. What was it? Sepsis. So he'd had the flu for three weeks, didn't tell anyone, didn't do a poo for like a week, didn't tell anyone. So he, he got was, infected? Yeah. And so when I think of those moments, I can go within myself. But like you were saying, I've, I think, um, like you said, when you don't know you're there, I think I'm there. And I have this support unit that let me know when I'm regressing. They're like, my partner's always like, have you been for a run? Have you spoken to so-and-so? Do you need a G&T? <laughs> Not in that way. But he's like, are you doing the things that you know make you feel better? And I think sometimes, not just as a woman, but as, as a man, we can get so wrapped up in caring for other people or doing things that support our families or building our careers that you forget that the way you take care of this is just like how you take care of your body. And what you said about going to a gym, like I have to take my mind to the gym. Literal gym. Yeah. And sometimes that means turning your phone off and reading an actual book or just letting people know today is not the day that I deal with what I feel is nonsense because I need to take care of up here. Um, and it's- Do you like sport? No, I don't. I Fair like enough. cycling. Mm -hmm. I love cycling. Okay. Like what? Like fixed cycling? Or, oh, no, no, or no. On the road cycling? And I'm like, I'm a cute cycler. Like I've got a bike with a basket and a gold helmet. Like I'm out there. Right. <laughs> what do you put in your basket? Sometimes flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, why are you exposing me? Don't listen to him, guys. Sometimes I just like to get out, and now I don't live in the city. Now How many points do you, you burn on the way to bargain booth? Do you <laughs> stop, it. stop it. So, have you got like a drop bar bike, or is yours a proper up here sort of? You know, the drop bar. It's a drop bar. No, it's not. No, it's a proper old school, like Pashley. Like I'm a little old lady on the country lane. Okay. Yeah, but I look cute and I'm exercising my mind. I'm in. And and how far do you go on your bike? Seven to ten miles. Oh, okay, that's yeah. amazing. Do you think? Yeah. It just flashes by. And um, that's like seven to ten miles more than you were ever doing. Ever. Yeah. And prior to cycling, I, I, in my younger days, I was a spiffy little runner. I've done the ultra marathon before. Right. But then one day I woke up and I was like, you don't even like running. It was a way of like self-flagellation. It was a way of that pounding, you know. I hate this, but I have to punish myself. I totally get it. It totally was that good. vibe. Look at this idiot doing this idiot thing. Oh, there he, there you are with that idiot pass. I was the same with the football. Oh, you're going to mess up. Oh, there you go. I mean, like I could be swearing left, right and centre what my head was saying. Oh, yeah, you're not good enough. Told you. Remember when Craig Redfern said that thing about you? Well, it's true, you crap. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You tried to cross it, but you spooned it into the stands. Well done, idiot. And it's like that was what I grew up with. Yeah. You know, that was my internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know. And like, you know, the, the, the sort of like, then you take yourself running and you're like, come on, fatty. Come on, fatty. 
all that negative self-talk, right? Yeah, the self-flagellation yeah, stuff. Yeah. So women usually speak a lot to their friends. Do you think that this is something men don't do enough of? Are you quick to admit to your male friend that you're feeling low? Yeah. You are? Yeah, I am. I love that. But I'm surrounded by like-minded individuals too. You know, this is, this is the, it's an imper- imperative, mm. yeah, uh, part of the mental health progress, progress is surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you're not going to win going to the pub with the same idiots that you've been going to the pub with for the last 30 years. Do you know what, Robbie? Don't do that. I felt that. I felt like you came for me. <laughs> personal. Hashtag personal. I hear that. But you can knock about with them too. But, mm. you know, it's like, don't don't go there expecting to drink lime cordial Yeah. when you are repeating the same thing that you've always done for the whole of your life. Mm. And there are places and societies mm. out there that you can go and get yourself involved with. That's how I did it. Was I, did, I haven't had a drink for 19 years. And I was just wondering, who am I going to be? Mm. What's life going to be like? It's not going to be worth living. I'm not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun. Mm. And these are all the delusions that you tell yourself yeah. and you have to unlearn. Mm. You have to give yourself a bit of time and a bit of patience to reintegrate yourself with society you can't sort of like go i'm not going to drink now for for for, for the for out to the end of this year where are you going the pub with mike and dave oh you are oh okay good luck with that yeah yeah you know you you what i found with not drinking is you get into a slipstream and uh it becomes who and what you are mm. i don't hanker for a drink need a drink want a drink you know, I'm I'm good with people drinking around me. My wife drinks, my mother-in-law drinks, my mom drinks, brother-in-law, friends drink, uh, but it doesn't doesn't affect me at all. Um, not saying that I don't have a chance of relapsing because we all do, but um, I've gravitated to like-minded individuals because they're like-minded individuals. Yeah. And I've gravitated to like-minded individuals because it's a matter of life or death. Mm. I didn't have an option. So what do you think can be done or how can we encourage guys to speak to their guy friends? So we're doing the whole mindfulness, we're understanding ourselves, we're taking our minds to the gym and we now know that who we are is not who we want to be because it is life or death. So how do we now, once we're around the like-minded people, start to break down those barriers and say, you know what, I can admit, A, I'm struggling, or B, being in this situation might put me at risk of a relapse. How do we encourage men to do that? Well, fortunately, we've got a fantastic educational instrument at our fingertips, it's called the internet. And you get creative with your searches Mm. and find the places and people for you, you know. Uh, Also, this very thing that we're doing now is the start of the conversation yeah is the start of picking people's imaginations and going actually that's what i feel like actually i need to tell dave you know and if dave doesn't greet you with a sympathetic ear then move on to steve and if steve doesn't you'll find someone yes someone out there 
will be going through exactly what you're going through, will be able to empathize and will understand. Mm. And if you don't have that conversation, you're going to die. Mm. Have the conversation, don't die. And then, you know, you might get shamed the first yeah. attempt out. Because yeah. shame is a dreadful thing. But don't be shamed into a prison. And, you know, I just want to add, because obs, I'm black. Shame and depression in the black community runs so high. It's like, I can't admit to this thing because our culture is this breeding ground for shame. And I've literally watched people die with things on their chest that I think actually that contributed to killing you just because you couldn't get it off your chest. So I completely hear you on the shame. So culturally, culturally, it's almost like a religion not being able to accept and express that you are suffering mm. because you are masculine. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Mm. That's sad and that's in its own, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem for the uh, real psyche of a real human mm. because it's not truthful. I like how you said human, not man. You're right, human. It's a human yeah. issue. It's not yeah. male or female. Makes me sad. Makes me sad thinking that. Um, because I would have offed it mm. if I hadn't have been able to express. Yeah. So, WW always talk about how good it is to have a positive mindset. Tell me about how, because I know... How, what it does to me but I'm not interviewing myself tell me about what your mindset does for your habits surrounding food um, what my mindset does for my habits surrounding mm. food well when I got really into this WW thing a big game changer for me was that fruit is zero points mm. and it sort of it was the methadone <laughs> <laughs> to the Cadbury smack and um, you know it's sort of instead of me reaching for the Cadbury's I put some oranges in the fridge yeah. and uh, got them out sliced them up and had two to three oranges instead of what I was about to do and I, I found that Monday turned into Tuesday and Wednesday turned into Thursday and before you knew it a month had passed yeah and I'd formed this habit. Mm. So to do a, to feel self-esteem, you have to do esteemable acts. They just it just doesn't happen, you know. Why are you so quotable? That was very quotable. Because I've been doing this wow. thing. Hmm. Like I was nineteen, and I realised that I messed up, hmm. and I know, and I knew that I had to take action, or I was going to die. Hmm. So, and I write lyrics. So very very often I'm in therapy or I'm at a, a meeting or I'm talking or I hear a podcast or I listen to something on the television and it's poetry you know it's like things that motivate me and strike a chord with me I take on board and then regurgitate them yeah so the action comes first see I'm very reactionary with my eating bad day whole bag of popcorn and I'm not talking WW popcorn. Sweet popcorn. Yeah, sweet and salt mixed together. I need to set it, you know, that is gonna pick me up. And it's like, actually, no, let me work on picking myself up first and then maybe I will reach for the fruit. You know? 
But you yes, no, no, no. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But you know, you're having a tough moment in your life. Mm. Being a mom to so somebody so young, mm. it's as tough as it gets. So I can understand how you would want the quick fix, <laughs> you know, and you you have to give yourself not permission to do that, but permission to not judge yourself in doing that because, you know, I've been doing this mother thing <laughs> eight hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. But you know, it's that to feel self-esteem, you have to do self-esteemable things. And I, you know, I, I do them by mistake rather than practice what I preach a lot of the time. Mm. I'm out playing golf. Yeah. I'm in the fresh air. Mm. I'm spending three hours walking about, just thinking about the next shot. Mm. It's like meditation. meditation. I'm watching the football. I'm not thinking about social media. I'm not, that's a poor man's meditation, football. Cause you're just, you're in it. Yeah. You're in the moment. Mm. You're not in the future. So it's those sort of things, like I picked up boxing mm. and I learned last year, I saw a podcast and somebody said, if you don't work out, you're taking the equivalent of a depressant pill, not an antidepressant pill, a depressant pill, if you don't work out. And I was like, yeah. That is why I feel lethargic and hate yeah. myself right now. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. So you've got to pick something that you enjoy doing or you like doing or isn't much of a bind because nobody wants to get on a treadmill. This is the thing. And once I swapped running for cycling, all of a sudden it didn't matter that it was frosty and cold and raining. I put a jacket on because I want to cycle. Yeah, And I think some people, they just think, oh, what's the exercise that's going to make me lose weight the quickest? Everyone goes running. So yeah. few enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, the hardest part is getting up out of a warm bed to go outside and partake in exercise. Why would you? you know? Exactly. I, I built my own football field in LA and I played every night. Uh, it was a proper, it was proper like a 10-year-old that won the pools. Mm. Or the lottery. I could get myself football pitch now. <laughs> Play with friends. So I did. But what happened was I was playing football every night. Hmm. And I was live and vital. And my adrenaline was where it needed to be. And I was bantering amongst making new friends, you know. And then my back got arthritis in the bottom. Hmm. And I got a slip disc in the middle of my back and a slip disc in my neck. And now I can't play football. Which, uh, thinking about it, caused another bit of isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of like when you're injured or you have a impediment. Yes. That can cause you to sit back, isolate before you know it. You've been indoors for six months. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's vital to pick something that you enjoy. Be yes. that rollerblading. Mm. or be that cycling or be that boxing or be that walking or be that going on a treadmill but I don't know anybody that likes that you're a pretender if you enjoy that I just want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier because I think it is golden and I've only learnt its power in the last six months but therapy th how powerful is therapy oh man it just unlocks so much stuff <laughs> Just unlocks so much stuff. Mm. You know, that sort of 
Because what goes into the computer, you, yeah. isn't necessarily the right hardware. The external stuff that is happening to you by your parents, by your social economic background, mm -hmm. by the people you surround yourself with, damages the computer day after day, month after month. They don't mean it, mm -hmm. some of them do. Yeah. Either which way, your computer is knackered mm. and you are hardwired to think wrong thoughts. Yeah. If you get a good therapist, they can sit and be your mirror and tell you, no, you're saying that and thinking that because A happened and B happened and C happened. And then you're like, you know, there's a saying that like, to understand everybody is to forgive everybody. Mm. I sort of started to understand me and why my why I was doing this. Yeah. I understood them and why they did that. Yeah. The 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 really important thing is about therapy though is not leaving before you've closed the can of worms. Yeah. Because with therapy you can open the can of worms and go, it's the worms. Look everybody, the worms did this to me. And then you go, thank you very much. And you just walk out <laughs> into the world with your can of worms going, it was these idiots. But you've got to like forgive the worms. <laughs> and I, I've done that. I've gone, okay, I get it's not my fault. See you. And then you become angry with absolutely everybody. You've got to close the can of worms. Do you, I just feel like this is an expose today because I've li I have literally just walked away with my worm showing like, yeah. And I've, I've literally just run off. Yes. So I've got to go back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you, well, you, do you have to, or, or else you're just full of resentments. Okay. Instead of the resentment facing inwards, it faces outwards. Mm. It's still the same thing. Yeah. Still feels the same way. Yeah. But yes, therapy, I think, is vital. The right therapist is vital. Because there's a lot of people out there that aren't very good. That's true. That actually make things worse. Who are the people you go to to fill your bucket? My wife, my children, mm. yeah. Um, the universe gives you so many blanks that you don't need, you don't know you, you need to fill in. And you only realize that the, the blanks have been filled in after the event. And when the children arrived, I was like, oh, there's a universal Easter egg that's left and you don't know it exists until you complete that level. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't going to have any kids because I was I was stupid and I like being stupid <laughs> and I, I enjoy going out and doing the sex <laughs> with strangers. They don't want that to change, you know. Anyway, uh, it did, it has, mm. and um, my my life is so much better for it. Um, so yes, I have excellent management that um, also, you know, deal with the same sort of issue that I have. Yeah. So I'm amongst like-minded people, yeah. you know, and um, that understand my predicament because they have gone through it and go through it too. Yeah. So uh, that's vitally important. Um, and I don't tolerate people that make me feel bad. So if anybody makes me feel bad, I, they're not in my life anymore. I love just how 
that is, I can hear in your voice, that's your bottom line. Like, I don't do that. You set that boundary for yourself. And you have taught people how to treat you, which I think sometimes we forget as humans. It's like, oh, this person doesn't treat me well. No, have you set the boundary? Have you taught them that? This I think is guys I are better than women at that. I agree with you. You I know what I'm noticing with, like, and I say I can't judge all women from my wife, <laughs> but it's like, well, if you feel that way about that person, don't hang out with that person. Whereas a guy mm. will go, that's an idiot. Yeah. I'm done with that idiot. <laughs> Where women will go, she's an idiot. Let's spend every hour together for the next 40 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, so it, it's like Latin to me when I'm, I'm sort of like, yeah, I know. I've heard you say this. Mm. That was so nice to hear you speak about your kids. Yeah. Yeah, I dig them so much. They just... Oh, it's I can't even put it into words what they do to you, but you, you, like you said, about them unlocking this level that you didn't even know existed or that you needed. It's about the whole... It's about the full human experience. Yes. And then how they make you slow down, literally, because now I've got an 18 month old who's learned to walk and everything's marvelous to him. Stones, leaves, worms. And I'm like, I never pause like this for anyone. Yeah. But your kids just ground you. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. And my mental health is better because of them. What was the happiest time of your life? And do you draw on that memory if you're having a bad day? The happiest time of my life probably is spent with my grandma, who's unconditional love. My mum had to discipline me, yes. and she was incredible at being a mum. Mm -hmm. Like, I get my ambition and my drive from my mother. Mm -hmm. um, but also, she had to do the dad's job too. Yeah. So, um, where my grandma didn't have to do any of that. She just had to do the unconditional love. Yeah. So my happiest times are sort of like, they involve food. Mm. They involve crisp sandwiches and tea full of three sugars. Yeah. And something with crisp, prawn cocktail crisps, and watching Morecambe and Wise, and three, two, one, <laughs> whatever was on, Russ Abbott's Madhouse, or Cracker Jack, or whatever. And those are my happiest times. But I have to say, mm. my golden era is right now and I've had several golden eras with my wife you know and um, yeah so I've just started filling my shoes with me mm. I'm 45 it's taken that long the second 20 years of your life was spent sorting out the first 20 years Tell me about it. Yes. I'm 31 for reference, and I'm just like, I feel like I'm on the clean-up show all the time. Yeah. Okay. And so it is. Okay. I'm 45, and I feel like the last 18 months, I've started to become who I could, who I thought I could be. Yeah. You know, it's a good place to be, but it doesn't take much to, you know, I, I see my life as a, like a bottle, and there's silt in the bottom here, like this. And if I drink, smoke weed, take drugs, don't get enough sleep, eat the wrong food, isolate, that bottle does that, 
and my life becomes totally clouded. The silt's always going to be there. Yeah. It's just not waggling that bottle to make it be 100% of what you are and how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Also, uh, the the way you talk about your wife, if my partner's watching, if you don't light up like that, you don't love me, fam. Huh. I'm telling <laughs> facts. Because the joy, every time you speak about her, your eyes are like, ding, ding, ding. She just rocks. She just rocks. I hope I rock. Anyway. Yeah, she's uh, she's my she's my best mate. She's super super smart. She's fun to look at, fun to hang out with. We're not we don't get bored with each other. I'm incredibly lucky. Taking the first step to turn your life around can be really hard. What advice would you give to someone who's struggling right now? <sighs> to get self-esteem, you need to do self-esteemable acts. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it is incredibly difficult. It's going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it. And it doesn't mean that you can't practice being the person that you want to be. Because you will achieve it, yeah. but it doesn't come for free. It takes work, you know, and also, you're not going to notice yourself getting better. Like you don't notice yourself becoming fat. You're not fat until you're fat. I know, and then the top doesn't do Exactly. Nothing. You don't notice the bits before that I've actually had to take account and go, oh yeah, I remember me from 18 months ago. I'm different now. Mm. So you might not even notice that you're getting better, mm. but you will and you do, and everything that you're scared of, go and do. It's the gym. You're not gonna get muscles by one workout, you know? I love that. Guys, I think anyone watching, listening will attest that that has been a very powerful episode. And I feel like Robbie just needs a ton of Instagram quotes, like hit me with all those graphics. You have said some incredible things. And I'm Thank really, you. really thankful that you've been so honest and so super. Thanks, darling. Are you a sir? Are you Sir Robbie Williams? No. Oh my gosh, get this man knighted. Because like, Ob's a sir. Um, I've been Candy Spratway. <laughs> that is Sir Robbie Williams. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> Great. There we go, guys. That was amazing, wasn't it? It really was. It was really nice to see a conversation about mental health that's so inspiring and honest. Thanks so much to everyone listening and watching. Thanks again to Robbie and Candice for being amazing. Um, obviously, check them out on their own social channels and make sure to keep an eye out for our next podcast because we're back, but we will have Robbie again. And he's going to be talking all about his WW journey. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye.